welcome to the First Baptist Church Fairview Podcast. Here's Pastor Duane. So here we go. Genesis 45, uh, the key to reconciliation. That's what we're talking about just for a few minutes this morning. We do have the Lord's Supper uh, after the message in Genesis 45. I also want to make mention as you turn to Genesis 45, please take notes for key points this morning. I really want you to write down. But in Genesis 45, we Uh, we've got the theme of reconciliation. Also, we do have the last day to turn in deacon ballots. And so if you have filled your deacon ballot out, you can put that in the box. It's by Jeff Higgins Classroom. All right, so it's in the hallway in the educational wing. You'll see a big brown box, uh, deacon ballot box. Go ahead and turn that in today or get them to a deacon, do something, but we need to turn them in today, all right? In the box, Genesis 45. Whenever I go to an airport, I enjoy watching passengers get off an arriving flight. You ever been there? You're waiting for a flight, you're walking through, but you understand that another flight has just arrived and you got people coming in And on many occasions, you see other people just swarm them, right? You'll hear things like this. I I don't see him yet. (laughs) He hasn't got off the plane yet. Where is he? And then you hear somebody else. Oh, there he is. (laughs) And you think the president just got off the plane. You got a family just swarming loved ones. And so if the children are waiting, they make a break through the crowd like a halfback who sees a hole in the line. And so they break through trying to get to dad, granddad, whoever just arrived from the trip. So the whole family is embracing and exchanging greetings. Often there are tears of joy as loved ones are reunited after a long separation. After this long separation, there's joy. It's a joy to watch as relationships are brought back together. It's not an exaggeration to say that relationships are the most important thing in life because the two greatest commandments in the Bible have to do with right relationships. So as we think about Genesis 45, I want you to think about two keys this morning, your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. Your relationship with God means the most, (laughs) But your relationship with other people means so much. So God is in the business of reconciling broken relationships. Thus, you've got Genesis 45. It's an amazing account of Joseph reuniting with that band of brothers who uh, hated him, who wanted him dead, left him to be dead. I mean, Joseph had every right to be angry. His 10 brothers had just thrown him into a horrible pit and sold him into slavery years before. And so can you imagine how Joseph must have felt when he heard his brothers uh, denouncing him as a dreamer and wanting him dead? I mean, can you only imagine? Nearly 20 years, Joseph lived with this horrible memory of brothers' hatred. 
This message illustrates how God gave Joseph the grace to go on with his life. Listen, he can give you the grace to go on this morning. Maybe your relationship with God is not what it should be, but it, it can be stronger. You know, maybe your relationship with each other, maybe somebody in this sanctuary, somebody at home, somebody somewhere, it, the relationship is just not right, but it can be. Because God is in the business of bringing people back together and ultimately he's bringing us to himself. You know, here's what, here's what I know. As I think about Joseph and I think about myself and you, you know, it's like we think about one another. If we're not careful, how do we handle when people offend us? I mean, we can get so bitter. Uh, that's why people, you know, just kind of give up on occasion. This is why some people continue in a lifestyle, this rat race of sin. I mean, they believe it's their right to be angry. Well, well, she offended me and he did this. So I have a right to retaliate. I mean, I want some revenge, right? I want to get even with people that hurt me. And that's from the flesh. It's sin. But, but think about Joseph. You know, they have, they have um, betrayed him. They have hated him with hatred, immense amount of hatred. They were bitter, jealous. I mean, you name it, they exhibited all these traits. But how did Joseph respond? That's what I want you to see in Genesis 45. So the first thing we, we've got to get, you, you see this attitude of grace in the life of Joseph. Man, I want to be like Joseph. When people wrong me and hurt me, I want to be able to respond with grace. But even more than that, I see the Lord Jesus in this text. Uh, Joseph is a type of Christ, not Christ, but he's a type of Christ here. He's foreshadowing the Messiah. And I see a lot through the life of Joseph that demonstrates Jesus Christ, his love and his grace towards all of us. And so you definitely get a glimpse, I think, of the gospel in Genesis 45, this attitude of grace. Let's read. And then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him in verse 1. And he cried, have everyone go out for me. And there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. And Joseph said to his brothers, check it out. I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. They were dismayed at his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. And they came closer. Underline those verses. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into slavery. You've got grace all over the text today. Grace is something that we get we don't deserve. I mean, friends, do you see how Joseph offers grace to his brothers? Remember, he was hated by them. He was betrayed by them. He was left for dead by them. And now somehow, some way, you know, some would say, well, it's payback time. But you don't see that from Joseph. He could have said, man, do you remember what you did to me 20 years ago? All the pain, all the heartache, all the agony, sleepless nights, the pit, the prison, you name it, I've been through it. And maybe some of you, you're living life like that. It's like, man, that person wronged me and life threw me a curveball. God, why did you let this happen? Why this place, this time, this person, why this vice, this struggle, this addiction, why this loss? I promise you, we all could come to the table and do that. 
but we must overcome that. We need to learn many lessons from Joseph's situation. Many times we can hold a grudge and seek revenge and we waste away with bad habits and evil intentions. I'm going to get you back. You hurt me, so I'm going to get you back. And I'm going to harbor this bitterness for the next 30 years. And you know what? I've met some people who have done just that. And it hurts you more than them. You're enslaved with this bondage of bitterness. And that's why the book of Hebrews says, don't let any root of bitterness swell up in you because it will destroy you. Joseph demonstrated brokenness, devastated over family division, grieved over the lack of relationship with his father and brothers. He was broken. His heart was right as well. His heart was one of love and compassion. This is God's heart towards us. He desires that none should perish. So when I see Joseph, picture it, and the brothers all around, again, they came to Egypt because of the famine. They were in need. And in God's sovereignty, you've got this opportunity for Joseph to reunite with a band of brothers who left him for dead. You know, I Again, I see the gospel. (laughs) We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Joseph is like, brothers, come here. I am Joseph. I'm the one that you betrayed. I'm the one that you tried to kill. (laughs) But I want you to draw near to me. And that's what Jesus does for us. Joseph's brokenness in his heart, his revealed identity. I am Joseph. Wow, what a statement. I mean, can you imagine the guilt, the anguish, the conviction, those moments of horror as they looked upon one whom they wanted dead? And then his reassurance. I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not believe in verse three. Look at verse four. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother whom you sold. Do not, look at verse five, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. You sold me. You tried to kill me, but look what God did. Amen. Amen. You tried to take me out, but God did good. I mean, what you did for evil, God chose to use it for good. Isn't that how God works? The world's going to throw you a lot. Teenagers, the world's going to throw you a lot. How to measure up, how to shape up, how to be this and that by a certain age. But listen, you follow Jesus no matter what you face. I think Joseph overcame a lot of um, identity issues. He overcame a lot of um, struggles within himself to come to this place where he said, brothers, come here. Secondly, you've got this attitude of submission to God. So let's read again that verse five. Do not be grieved. God sent me to preserve life. God placed him in a place of authority and leadership. The famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there'll be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you. I love that. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. God is using all this, my 20 years of pain and anguish. God has me in the place he wants me. So Joseph is giving God all the credit. He gives God all the glory. Now, God is in control, church. 
I don't know what you're battling, but I know this. God is in control. And he's over all, Colossians says. Romans 8, 28, God is working all things together for the good to those who love him, to those who are the called. Does sin have consequences? By all means. Remember, Joseph was in slavery and prison for 13 years. He never got those years back. But God uses those very circumstances of our sin to make us effective for him. And so God can use the bad and bring good out of it. People can do bad and, and wrong other people and God can bring us all to repentance. So you see that keyword repentance, I feel like in verses 14 and 15 with the brothers. And, and we know that God is in control. Check this out. God is in control of all of it. If the brothers don't sell Joseph into slavery, he never gets to Potiphar's house. If Joseph never gets to Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife never falsely accuses him of attempted rape. Now follow me. If Potiphar's wife does not falsely accuse jo Joseph, he never gets into prison. And if he never gets into prison, he never interprets the cupbearer's dream. And if Joseph never interprets the cupbearer's dream, he never comes to the attention of Pharaoh. And if Joseph never comes to the attention of Pharaoh, he never becomes the second in command. Now, here's the last point. If Joseph never becomes the second most powerful man in Egypt, many Egyptians die and all in Jacob's household die. God put him in a place of authority. But he had to navigate struggle. Some of you, you're navigating valley life. You're navigating struggle. And you're asking that question, Lord, why? But God has a plan. I don't understand pain and loss and turmoil. But God works through all of that to make me a better man of God. And you a better man of God and woman of God. Third, you see an attitude of forgiveness. Look at, four, go down to verse 14 and 15. Uh, this reunion here, this time of reconciliation, you know, Joseph displayed this attitude of forgiveness. Then he fell on his brother's Benjamin's neck and wept and Benjamin wept on his neck. He kissed all of his brothers, wept on them and afterward his brothers talked with him. Everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely thing until they have to forgive somebody. We'll talk about it. You're like, pastor, great job. But here's the deal. Will you forgive? Who has offended you? Will you forgive that person even if they don't ask you to forgive them? You see, it releases you. That's what Jesus meant. Forgive people 70 times seven. <laughs> you know, over and over, you forgive. Have this attitude of forgiveness and grace because you've been forgiven. The main reason why people should have a forgiving heart is because God commands it. Forgive, forgiveness is important. It's a part of life. To forgive means I'm surrendering my right to get even. Now I would write that down. Forgiveness means I'm surrendering my right to get even. It's not giving in to that person. It's getting free from that person. It really is. So this is a demonstration of love and forgiveness by Joseph to his brothers. And so this reconciliation, quickly, reconciliation 
is possible only through forgiveness. Now, I can't say you'll be reconciled every single time somebody offends you, but I will say this, many times you can be reconciled. And we've got to be humble and we've got to say, hey, I blew it, will you forgive me? Christ has forgiven me, I forgive you. And there's harmony in the church, amen? There can be harmony in your home, harmony in your life. Reconciliation is demonstrated by the refusal to retaliate. James Dobson said this one time, forgiveness is giving up my right to revenge. Reconciliation is informed by the recognition of God's providence. Joseph came to understand the purpose God had for his life. What was the purpose? To preserve life and all that pain. God had a purpose behind the pain. Reconciliation is authenticated by sacrificial concern for each other. Joseph was willing to do everything he could to care for his family. That included those who had mistreated him. It's grace and it's forgiveness. And I want to say this to you for your notes. This is a perfect picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perfect picture of forgiveness. Joseph was compassionate. God's love is greater than our sin. And so the sin of mankind caused this barrier between us. And so God says and pleads, be reconciled to me. And that's what he says in Romans 5, actually. Be reconciled to God. Instead of God's wrath, God demonstrated to us his love and did it on the cross so that we could be saved. John 1.12 explains that in Christ, we become part of God's family. We're brought near, we're brought together. So as Joseph uh, demonstrated love and humility and forgiveness and reconciliation, God does that for us. Be reconciled to God. Come as you are and don't leave as you came. Number four, it's never too late to forgive. It's never too late to forgive. We need to forgive other people and we need to be forgiven, church. Amen? We need to go to God. If you've never been forgiven from all of your sin, and God's never changed your heart, you need to be saved today, forgiven. Indeed, on a human level, quickly, we can think of many reasons why forgiveness doesn't seem to make sense to us. He hurt me far more than he understands, right? He really deserves to lose this friendship. He should get a taste of his own medicine. What she has done to me can never be put right. We have all these lies and we hold on to all these lies and we live life with those lies. But the Bible recognizes the truth in these statements. No book takes sin more seriously than the Bible. And so sin is horrible. It destroys people. It destroys relationships and God hates sin. So why doesn't God just say to us, that's right, sin is horrible. So when someone truly sins against you, you be sure and get him back. <laughs> in today's text, we have one of the greatest examples of human forgiveness in the Bible. Joseph's brother sold him out and he forgave them. He forgave them. Church, we can be forgiven we can forgive other people. What did Jesus say about forgiveness in closing? I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times, forgive. 
If you forgive other people their trespasses, check out Matthew 6, 14 and 15, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other people, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is vital. This text today, if you read it in its entirety, drips forgiveness. But oh friend, God wants to forgive you. God is willing that none should perish. While we were enemies in Romans 5, we were reconciled to God, how? Through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. In the last verse, James 4, 8, draw near to God. Look at this. He will draw near to you. He will. He'll draw near to you. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. We would like to help you take your next steps spiritually. Visit our website, fbcfairview.org, to learn more about First Baptist Church Fairview. Thank you for listening.